horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, welcome. I'm glad you joined us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart, and here's the layout of this week's show. Of course, uh, what we're going to do is uh, review some of the uh, Winning Pony Easy Win Form uh picks and plays from last week that were successful. Uh, then our first guest, you've heard him many times. As a matter of fact, I ran a little uh, thing through the computer tonight. I realized our, Richard Ng, outside of Ed Meyer, is one of our most often visitors here to Winning Ponies. So Rich Ng, you know him. He's the author of Handicapping for Dummies. Uh, he's uh, written many handicapping books, but he's also has been a writer for the Las Vegas Review, the Daily Racing Form, and he's involved in other projects out there as far as uh, uh, handicapping the horses out in Las Vegas. So Rich Ng will be our first guest, and our second guest who uh, might be involved in his son's soccer game right now, and I believe he's the coach, is Byron King. As you know, he's a native of Louisville uh, for years. He was the Kentucky handicapper for the daily racing form. He graduated from that uh, Arizona racetrack industry program, uh, just like Bob Baffert. And it seems like half the people I interview on this show uh, have come out of the University of Arizona racetrack industry program. Uh, and Byron is one of those. And he's covered racing from across the country. He was the morning line odds maker for Sam Houston Race Park. Uh, done a little bit of everything and continues to do just that as he moves on uh, throughout his handicapping and race loving career. So Rich Ng and Byron King are guests today now if you've been pulling down the easy win forms and with all the racing that's popping up this time of year it's a big help well laurel's not a featured track a whole lot but if you decided that you wanted to uh, make some wagers and use your easy win forms it was a very good week uh let's see four days ago we had a one dollar super five key that paid one thousand two hundred one dollars and fifty cents and two days prior to that, same thing, $1 Super 5 key paid 1128 And the day before that, $1 Super 5 key. That seems to be what we're doing well with the easy win forms at winningponies.com. Yeah, paid nine hundred fifty-one thirty. Of course, we'll be going out to Del Mar. It is uh, Pacific Classic weekend, and we're going to talk more about that. Uh, and again, just four days ago, $1 Super 5 box paid $780.70. Go on over to Winning Ponies and check it out. You can always take a peek for free. And the forms are a relatively inexpensive way to get yourself a winner. Well, somebody that won't be having a winner in the Traverse Stakes uh, is the West family. Uh, been kind of a tough week. Uh, it looks like... Uh, let me give you the story. Last year, two-year-old champion, game winner. This year, the horse that finished first across the line in the Kentucky Derby, maximum security. 
both were looking for a berth in the 150th running of the Travers Stakes. Of course, it's the Run Happy Travers. I think every stakes race in the country <laughs> is now sponsored by Claiborne Stallion. But uh, this is news that just broke a couple hours ago. It was learned that both of Gary and Mary West's leading candidates uh, will be out of the race, the Midsummer Derby, as we like to call it, up there at Saratoga. And uh, started with uh, Bob Baffert today saying game winner was not going to ship from Southern California after developing a virus. So he says he's still absorbing the disappointment. He's going to be fine, but it's the timing, and there's just not enough time with this virus to get him in shape uh, for shipping and getting to the Traverse Stakes. Then later in the day, today now, Jason Service who trains maximum security said that he won't run in the Travers because the horse just is not a hundred percent. And uh, instead he's going to target the million dollar grade one Pennsylvania Derby at parks racing. He just said, I don't like where he's at. He's not eating the way I want him to eat. He's not carrying the weight. I'd like to see him carry. I just want to make sure he's a hundred percent for his next race. And he's not right there right now. So the best thing to do is to wait until he's a hundred percent and point to the Pennsylvania Derby. And, uh, with game winner out, if maximum security was 100%, he'd go to the Travers, but it's just not back to where he was. So he's probably going to get a week off and then maybe about four more weeks until the Pennsylvania. That should give him enough time to hopefully get back to 100%. Let's hope he, he gets there. Uh, so, uh, boy, that is a big uh, slam to the field in the Travers. You've got the horse that finished first in the Kentucky Derby, although he was disqualified. And then you've got last year's two-year-old champion who was rounding into form a little bit. So uh, that's the latest news. Just came out a couple hours ago. Well, uh, the races we're going to look at uh, this week, uh, Rich is going to zone in. He's going to help us out at Saratoga uh, with the uh, Alabama Stakes. That looks to be a very interesting one. My girl Sophie Doyle's going up for her debut at the spa aboard Street Band, who was a very impressive winner of the Indiana Oaks. Uh, didn't fare well in the Kentucky Oaks uh, after getting in tight and shuffled around and bumped. She got moved up one spot to sixth. And uh, prior to that, won the Fairgrounds Oaks with Sophie in the saddle. She's been the regular rider, and she's going to be up there. Now, there's a couple big horses pointing for him. Dunbar Road, it looks like a horse that's only made four lifetime starts, will be installed as the favorite, won the Mother Goose at Belmont Park last time out. And previous to that, was just beaten in the Gulfstream Park Oaks by Champagne Anyone, who is also going to be in the field. And let's not forget uh, Point of Honor, uh, who's really come up on the racing scene, likes to rate just off the pace. That's the horse that won the black-eyed Susan down at Pimlico prior to the Preakness and then came back in the Coaching Club American Oaks and ran second to Garana, which is uh, not a really bad score on your report card because just about everybody Garana has faced has finished behind her. So Point of Honor is going to be in the field too. And plenty of other classic ta talent, but I can't go through them all. But uh, Rich is going to help us with the Alabama. And then I asked that, hey, let's uh, 
go on the grass and take a look at the Lake Placid, that's a grade two, 200,000 uh, that will be uh, on the card. And of course, uh, Rich, who a lot of times handicaps the races out in California, uh, will be taking on uh, hopefully the $1 million TVG Pacific Classic. What a race this is going to be. Uh, it looks like could be a rematch between Seeking the Soul and Quip. They only finished a neck apart in the prestigious Stephen Foster at Churchill Downs. Now, Quip was on the front end and Seeking the Soul, as usual, came flying late. John Velasquez given up all of his Saratoga mounts to make sure he sticks with Seeking the Soul, uh, who could end up uh, in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile or the Breeders' Cup Classic. The Del Mar race is a win and you're in. But since the race is named after TVG, they're going to have a commercial-free coverage on Pacific Classic Day. How about that? Commercial-free. Nobody does that anymore. But but they will be uh, exclusive coverage of the Pacific Classic Day. So uh, it's going to start with the first post. Now, this is Eastern Time at 5 o'clock, and the TVG, the the whole classic special on TVG is going to run from 8 to 10 p.m., and uh, they're going to have over two dozen cameras, virtual graphics, uh, different locations, roaming reporters, so uh, if if you're lucky enough to have TVG on your set uh, Saturday, you're going to want to be near it, and uh, so that's pretty cool with no commercials in there. Now, the Pacific Classic itself is set to go off at 9.35, and that's Eastern Time. That would be 6.35 for you folks out on the West Coast. So, uh, you know, it's the high point of the Del Mar summer season, and they're going to pull out all the stops. So uh, very happy for TVG for giving the great race, the Pacific Classic, million-dollar grade one, the coverage that they are. All right, let's take a look at some other national news before we get to last week's races. Um, Remember Jaywalk, last year's two-year-old champion? Seems like it was a rough season. She came back 0 for 3, but looks like she's finally getting back on her toes. She's going to be going in the uh, Monmouth Oaks that's uh, going to serve as a prep race to the Cotillion. That's a grade 3, uh, $150,000. Now, John Service uh, just said he's going to go back to what worked with Jay Walk during the 2018 championship season. So uh, that nine-length romp got her off the schneid this year, and uh, he feels uh, really good about the, the way she's been training and uh, coming into this race. I would think for a two-year-old champion, 150,000 grade three should not be beyond her reach for sure. So we will find out if she takes this race easy and comes out of it good. Uh, it looks like uh, she will be going to the cotillion. Uh, you know, she's already won $1.6 million from a nine-race career, five of those being victories. So that's not too bad. She's really a good-looking filly if you get to see her up close. All right. Last week, uh, we got another uh, track record. This one at Saratoga got stormy. Just blitzes to course record time in the four-star Dave. Uh, and in doing so, beat the 
boys. Now, that's a grade one turf race worth a half a million dollars. Uh, she chased kind of a mid-pack as Gidu set way too fast fractions of 22.65 and 44.61. And the four-year-old daughter, Get Stormy, turned for home with a great rally under Ricardo Santana. You had to see this one. It was good. And I got the job done in track record time. So uh, her sire, uh, Get Stormy, I do believe won the uh, four-star Dave back in 2010. And uh, we'll... Uh, See where she shows up less next, but this race was a win-and-you're-in race for an automatic berth in the Breeders' Cup Mile at Santa Anita. So uh, she was assured a spot in there is going to get it, and I think will show up. Now, one of the races that was kind of lost last week with all the good racing at Arlington Park and some of the uh, other races around the country was the Best Pal because it was run kind of late. It's a West Coast race, but uh, this daughter of Twirling Candy, <clears throat> in just the second start of her career, uh won the best pale stakes, $200,000 grade two. It was at Del Mar. Now, the horse to watch in here, and the horse that I liked was Wrecking Crew. Man, I love that movie, and I love the musical group. Uh, yeah, finished second in the six-furlong race. I just broke bad and had to spot the field so much in a sprint and was coming at the end very strongly. So not to take anything away from Collusion Illusion, uh, but... Uh, Definitely want to uh, want to tell you that Wrecking Crew, uh, don't overlook that horse uh, next time uh, they, they go to post. Again, two-year-olds out on the West Coast. So uh, that's a look at some of the national uh, news. Let me get to the races we looked at last week with uh, James Scully. Um, took him out of his home base there at Louisville and asked him to go to Arlington. Of course, uh, the big race of the weekend was the million dollar. Well, what else? The Arlington million. That's right. And boy, if you ever doubted bricks and mortar, well, you had reason to doubt bricks and mortar at the head of the lane. You were like, where is the wall going to open up? Where is the wall going to open up? And uh, I read Ortiz, is this guy a miracle rider or what? Just waits and waits and waits and reels off the sixth straight victory for bricks and mortar. Five of those in graded stakes event. Of course, the Arlington Million, a grade one. It was tough. I wasn't sure he was going to get there, but did just get up at the wire over the Irish bread Aiden O'Brien trained Magic Wand, uh, who's put in some top performances, but hadn't done so this year. Was 0 for 6, ended up second at 9 to 1. And in the third spot, the horse I said, hey, this horse could be sneaky, was sneaky at 16 to 1 and held on as part of the exotics. And that was Bandua, who uh, tried to go all the way, but came up a little bit short. Again, the Arlington Million goes to potential and favorite for horse of the year, and that would be bricks and mortar. Also at Arlington Park, for a half a million dollars, we had the Secretariat, and this one, well, it was valid point, making only her third lifetime start. The, the son of gold, sorry, the son of scat daddy is now 
perfect in three starts. Javier Castellano rallying from last to get the job done. And the second spot was Van Beethoven overlooked in the wagering at 28 to 1. And third position, the horse that had to lead the last zip, a son of City Zip, couldn't hold on. So this one goes to valid point. And don't think there was any doubt about the Beverly D becoming the first horse ever to repeat in the Beverly D. It was Sister Charlie. Sister Charlie reeling off her fifth graded stakes win. The Beverly D, a grade one, $600,000. How good is she? Sister Charlie got the job done by three links. She's bred in Ireland, is trained by Chad Brown, Johnny V in the saddle. In the second spot was Awesome Tank, British bred at 15 to 1. And third was Competition of Ideas. And that was the Beverly D. Well, let's see, uh, look at... Uh, the action that we looked at last week, uh, I think we'll go to a little bit of a break here on Winning Ponies, and we come back. I hope we got my friend Rich Ng on the line. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Every Saturday morning, listen for the Superstar Sports Talk Block on Voice America Variety. We've got the best programs. If you want to talk football, hunting, outdoors, racing, and more, the weekends belong to sports. And you'll find it every Saturday beginning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You'll hear from the players, owners, experts, and fans from around the world. It's the Saturday Superstar Sports Talk Block. Wow, that's a mouthful. And it's only on the Voice America Variety. Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with us... 
one of our most requested guests. I kind of ran a, a scan of the different guests we've had on today, and uh, Rich Ng has appeared oh, probably just short of uh, Ed Meyer on the show. Of course, Ed's kind of a Kentucky-based guy that uh, is, is always willing to jump on the airwaves and has great opinions, but Rich Ng always gives us a little Vegas flair, shall we say. And uh, Rich, happy to have you back on our airwaves. Greatly appreciate it. Because uh, we go back a long ways from uh, my days as the, the PR person at Turfway Park. And then uh, I've been out here in Vegas for 20 years. I retired from the Las Vegas Review Journal after doing the handicapping and the, the uh, columns uh, every week. And, uh, but I'm still staying busy. I'm, I'm still out there, believe me. <laughs> That's good. Well, I know one of the guys that used to be on our PR team over that turfway is Jeff Pecoro. Have you followed his career? Yes, I have, because uh, every once in a while, when I'm in the racing sports books here in Las Vegas, and, uh, you know, the games uh, from Cincinnati are in the Eastern time zone, so a lot of times they, they start at 4 o'clock my time. I'll see Jeff doing the, the pre-game show from uh, – I guess it's Sports Channel Ohio. Do I have the right channel or right network? Yeah, but it's exactly. great to see yeah. Jeff up on the screen. Yeah, he's there. I know he was doing, now I'm going back about five, six years, he was doing some of the paddock handicapping uh, at Keeneland, uh, but he also does a lot of work for, I think he's the, the color guy for the University of Kentucky football team, as you may or may not no, he, he actually, uh, he played on UK. I think his position was, uh, he played the way back. <laughs> actually, he, he was a wide receiver, and I remember Jeff showing me the, the ball ring. I can't remember which ball it was, but he caught a touchdown pass in that ball game for uh, Kentucky. So, so uh, he played well. I was just yanking his core, but it's kind of neat. Every time I see him, you know, I say, well, he's getting a little grayer. He's getting a little grayer, but he, he, he does a great job. He also does regional basketball games. And a lot of times I'll hear him doing the university of Dayton play by play. So, uh, now, you know, a lot of good people have come off your, uh, your, your PR team at Turfway park there for sure. Rich. Well, I enjoyed having, uh, people like him and the Don Barberino, Ralph Siraco worked with, yeah. with us and he's out here on, Vegas now, and and John, you were a, a real uh, a real treat to have come over from River Downs and uh, help us out more than once. Though, though, racing was a lot more fun back then. I can tell you that, Rich, and uh, you were a great team leader, shall I say? Um, just let's just take a step back and uh, you know relax and say, what are some of your main takeaways from this season so far? Well, I tell you what, there's, there's one name that's up in the billboard up in the lights is Mr. Chad Brown. It's uh, He's having a phenomenal season, and uh, he's really dominating, especially the grass races. But uh, I wouldn't doubt at some point in the future that he's going to get more and more dirt horses, too. In fact, we're going to talk about you know some of his horses uh, in, in the dirt races uh, and the stakes coming up. But uh, he has really come front and center, and... I know he worked a lot of years for Bobby Frankel, but he must have been like a sponge because Bobby Frankel was one of the very best in the history of racing, and he must have absorbed as much knowledge as he could because he's been the chip off the old block. And, you know, he must be really good with his clients, too. I mean, uh, as, I don't know how many times I heard it on TVG over the weekend as they were covering uh, the Arlington races, which were great, and uh, they just kept saying, well, I guess it's... 
Chad Brown's world, and we're just living in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you one angle that has been really beneficial to Chad Brown is something that used to happen to Bobby Frankel when he was in Southern California is when, the, you know, Jedmon Farms and some of the, the European uh, major stables would send turf horses over to the U.S., invariably they would end up with like a Bobby Frankel in race in Southern California. And now that Bobby, you know, has passed away years ago and uh, the person who has ended up filling that, that gap is, is Chad Brown. And, and who better? He's a protege of uh, Bobby Frankel. But whenever there's a, a nice horse coming over from Europe, it seems to end up in the Brown barn. And he's, he's just absolutely loaded with really well-bred turf horses. Well, I mean, a great example was Sister Charlie. She was bred in Ireland, started uh, her career over in France, came over here. Of course, you go you go straight to Chad Brown. This horse has never been worse than second since it came here, and that's in about eight races, and all of them have been graded races. Sister Charlie goes on to win the Beverly D for the second time, Rich, and uh, she, I mean, just to have her in your on, your stable would be phenomenal, but what do you, you, as much as you could talk about Sister Charlie, how about bricks and mortar? I mean, this horse has a great story. He had a hoof condition that they doubted the horse had ever come back if they could even do the surgery. And so the horse doesn't race from October 17th till December 18 and has just turned into a monster. And as you know, a lot of people are considering this five-year-old uh, potential for horse of the year, even though he's strictly grass. Yeah, I, I'm one of the voters for the NTRA, and I have not put her first yet, but I, I got I got Brooks and Mortar second behind Mackenzie. I'll tell you what, it wouldn't take a whole lot more uh, difference in some of the results to, to switch that around because uh, uh, Brooks and Mortar is five for five. And, uh, heck, you remember the, there was a race, there was a stakes back at Saratoga maybe a week or so ago where they scratched down to three horses and they were all Chad Brown horses. So we had to finish one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> he's done it. He's done it in races with 10 horses. You know, uh, it's pretty amazing. I, I think the, the other, uh, the, there's two other amazing things in the saddle. Okay. Based on the West coast out by you, what a zone Flavian Pratt is in right now. Yeah. You know, he, I've had a chance to actually watch his career from literally from a seedling all the way up to champion jockey. And uh, when he first came over, he was actually doing a lot of work with Richard Mandela, galloping horses. Uh, there was a fellow who uh, come over from uh, uh, and worked horses like that maybe a, a few decades before. It was a fellow named Frankie Vittori. came sure. over in the same vein. He came over and he worked with American trainers and before it became successful. But, you know, they, they learned valuable lessons, obviously, you know, from some of these American trainers. And then they uh, practiced their craft uh, in the different tracks in Europe and Asia. And uh, Flavion Pratt is uh, developed in one of the top jockeys uh, in America. And uh, he's had quite a season to win a Kentucky Derby in a Queens plate. That doesn't happen very often for any rider. Now, the, the other guy with the magic wand right now uh, is Irad Ortiz. I mean, if you see him show up anywhere, and he does do a lot of traveling, man, you better take a second look at that horse before you go to the window. You know, if I was a, a young jockey and uh, like 18 years old, I would be watching tapes of the Ortiz brothers, uh, Flavion Pratt, even a young Drayden Van Dyke. Because, you know, when you watch these 
a top jockey race, one thing that I, to me, that I think they try to practice is they try to save ground. And it's a very simple premise as far as your race strategy. But if you watch them on a day-to-day basis, when they have a chance to get to the rail and save some ground, they do it. And, you know, they, and then at some point in the race, uh, if they have to come off the rail to find some racing room turning for home or in the stretch, you know, they'll, they'll figure their way through traffic. But it's such a simple tactic of saving ground. And, you know, when you look at the, like the trackish figures uh, after a race, you see how certain horses have to travel so many more feet than another horse. Well, you know, those are valuable, you know, inches, feet, yards that uh, you have to make up at the end of the race. So uh, it, it's just great watching these guys practice their trade and how uh, intelligent they are in the saddle. Classic example was the ride on bricks and mortar last Saturday in the Arlington Million. I mean, I was rooting for the horse. I couldn't bet it because it was one to two, I believe, at the end. But uh, mm-hmm. turning for home, Rich, I'm thinking, okay, he saved the ground. Now, where's the door going to open? And I was so afraid yep. that they, they were going to shut him off. But he seems to have a sense that how uh, the whole play is going to turn out. And he waits and he waits. And all of a sudden, one of the four horses in front of him inevitably opens that door. And he doesn't take a second because he knows mm-hmm. exactly how much horse he has. And it's like, okay, it's go time. And I really do think that he's best in, like you state. Uh, said uh, saving ground, but also uh, judging the pace of the race and knowing when to make that move. The the kid is amazing, and uh, you know I just hope he stays healthy because he's he's going to be the next stop uh, for the East Coast, the next Angel Cadero for my day. Yeah, because uh, you know we had a top jockey in Southern California a few years ago named uh, Joel Rosario, and he made the decision a few years ago to to switch his tack to New York and. Picked up Ron Anderson as his uh, a jockey's agent, and uh, Charles Arrow is right up there with the fellows we just mentioned. But you know, Flavion Pride right now he's he's the king of Southern California. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, l- let's go to the other coast, Rich. I asked you to tackle a couple races with me. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll take the we'll take the minor race first, and that is the uh, Grade Two Lake Placid two hundred thousand dollar race. Hard to call that a minor race, but Let's face it, the Alabama's on the card. Um, I had a hard time separating these horses, Rich. Uh, the uh, This British-bred uh, blowout has his brother, Jose Ortiz, in the saddle for none other than Chad Brown. And then you got Luis Saez up on the Lake George winner. Uh, blowout ran second behind him. So they both had a really impressive trip uh, over the race, over the track there at Saratoga. Uh, But uh, so has uh, Varenka, who's going to break from the rail with Javier Castellano, Grand Motion trained. Uh, It was an $80,000 option or claimer last time, but uh, got up in a game effort under Jose Ortiz. Um, I I don't want to mention every horse in the race because I want to see who you like. Well, you know, I think the race definitely goes to Chad Brown. <laughs> We've been talking about uh, ad nauseum on this program, but he's got the four blowout and he's got the five regal glory. And, you know, one thing about these brown horses is that they will not duel with one another. So invariably one is going to go out and one is going to take back. And a lot of times the end of running one, two, as Chad Brown does in many, many horse races. So it's hard to separate those two, the four and the five. I, I give just a tiny nudge, uh, nudge to the four. And as far as horses that I've said, I, I think two horses are, are going to be running on late. 
uh, the one Varenka that you just talked about from Grand Motion. And the other horse I would give a, a, a shot to run well late is the six, Feel Glorious, who has a Joel Rosario. Most likely Rosario will take this horse to the back of the field and try to make that patented late run that he, he does. He, he punishes the, the field circling through or around him and coming on late like a, like a banshee. Yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting because uh, outside of Blowout and uh, Amandrea, there's not a whole lot of speed in here, uh, but Amandrea just hasn't faced you know, the, the, the company that these, uh, these other horses have. And so, you know, I, I look for this to be an off the pace, uh, scenario, unless blowout can really, you know, stretch her legs a little bit more. She, she seems to be getting, uh, better and better and seems to like the Saratoga turf. Uh, I, I, I do like that fact. Um, but we'll find out if her stable mate, Regal Glory can can repeat because that horse just sat off blowout's uh, pace last time. <clears throat> now that was at a mile, and they're going to be going a little bit longer, which I think might play in the favor of Regal Glory. Louis Sayas has been getting some good mounts lately, and uh, and can't take anything away from him. So that was the look at the Lake Placid. Uh, now let's go to the Biggin at Alabama, at Saratoga. It is the Alabama. Oh God, I remember. Going to that race, we'd have to get out a racing manual. I saw Bill Shoemaker win on Gamely. Now, as a very young boy, oh my goodness! If you're, if you're doing math, <laughs> I was a very young boy at the time, and I've got a picture of him with a brownie camera from the clubhouse at Saratoga. We snuck in, of course, and uh, so it goes back away. Some great, great horses have won the Alabama, and they've tagged Dunbar Road as the favorite. Now. Can't knock this horse. Four lifetime starts, three wins, and a second. But, boy, four lifetime starts. Uh, you know, and to be the favorite in the Alabama, did not race as a two-year-old. Guess who trains? Chad Brown. Guess who rides? Jose Ortiz. <laughs> so that one's been tagged the favorite. But I don't really see a huge standout in here. And the horse I'm going to be most interested in, I guess more from a personal angle than anything else is larry jones coming in with the street band who is probably faced lesser competition uh than uh dunbar road and champagne anyone uh but is really a philly coming into her own and i just love to see a philly by a five thousand dollar stud pulling down almost a half a million dollars and i really like sophie doyle i've got to know her over the years and she's going to travel with this horse for her uh saratoga debut i know the writers are probably root for street band because there's some great storylines there yeah you know the thing with uh uh, street band uh, that I really liked, and it shows an indication of the kind of class that Larry Jones has. Was you know I'm sure uh, after this horse lost to Kentucky Oaks under Sophie Doyle, I bet you there were a lot of jockey agents saying, "Well, it's my turn to ride." And yeah. uh, Larry Jones stuck with Sophie Doyle, and she rode a perfect race in the Indiana Oaks. I remember watching the race on a simulcast. But I'm telling you, a lot of trainers would have switched to a different jockey after the Oaks. Not Larry Jones, so I, I give him an awful lot of credit. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, and he's such uh, a, a humble guy and a religious guy, and you know, I, I do believe that uh, he, he's he's a believer in the old adage, "Dance with the one that brung you." She might not be a name rider uh, to some, uh, but 
she just fits this horse, and she's so dedicated to this horse, Rich. She drives down from Chicago just to gallop this horse or to anytime the horse has to work. She'll drive down from Chicago. And it's a funny story I was reading. She has to hide a couple stalls down because if Street Band sees her, she'll start really getting at because she, she realizes, okay, I'm getting a workout today. Sophie's here. So they <laughs> – they, they hide Sophie a couple stalls down from a street band, and after they get her saddled, saddled up and out of her stall, it's like, riders up, and there's Sophie on her back. And, you know, all of a sudden, the street band gets all muscles. And like, yeah, and I guess Larry Jones, she gets real fractious around Larry, so Larry didn't even come to saddle her in the Indiana Oaks. He sent up his assistant. So I don't know if that's going to happen again at Saratoga, but it's an interesting story and she's an interesting horse, but boy, she's been firing of late. And again, you know, 10 lifetime starts, 434. But uh, I I digress. Like I said, I'm probably betting with my my head and heart more than my uh, daily racing form here. Uh, Who who comes off the sheet to you uh, in in the Alabama? Well, uh, I tell you what, uh, Dunbar Road, the morning line favored eight to five. Uh, the, the incredible thing about this with Chad Brown is that this isn't even the best three-year-old filly in his barn. Uh, he's got uh, Garana, uh, who uh, yeah. is also in the barn and, and probably uh, a length or two better than this filly. But there's nothing wrong with this filly. She'd be the number one horse in an awful lot of stables around the country. But I think the race clearly goes to her. She draws the rail, and, you know, we have Jose Ortiz up, and uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the Ortiz brothers know how to save ground, so I would expect her to be glued to the rail for most of the trip and then, you know, come off the rail as necessary for racing room. I think a horse is a very deserving uh, second choice uh, because of the, the classy races that uh, she's been involved in. Seven, Point of Honor from uh, George Weaver Barn. Uh, she absolutely ran her eyeballs out in the coaching club American Oaks and lost to the... Dunbar Road stablemate that I just talked about, Garana. So uh, uh, those two, I think, stand out in this race. Uh, some of the others uh, uh, have actually run in lesser events. Uh, you know, Street Man comes out of the Indiana Oaks Grade Three race, and then you've got the two horses that come out of the uh, the Iowa Oaks at Prairie Meadows, uh, Eulali and Lady Apple. But I, I think a horse, uh, maybe with a price to keep an eye on, uh, John, would be the eight horse off topic. Who ran pretty uh, well in the Coaching Club American Oaks, but uh, maybe moving in the right direction for Todd Fletcher. Ten to one's a pretty good price to, to use a horse like this on the underneath, and you know, maybe a little bit on top just in case things fall perfect. Uh, interesting uh, long shot angle there, but uh, you know this time of year at Saratoga, you do have to keep an eye on the younger horses of Todd Fletcher, and uh, you know. I, this is a horse that just seems to be getting a little bit better every start. Like you said, daughter of street sense, uh, and actually, uh, you know, has, has been racing at a mile and an eighth. Uh, these horses are going to be asked to go a mile and a quarter. You know, that's an awful lot. And you just don't know who's going to pop up in that final furlong. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when you think about American breeding, you know, most of our American horses, quite frankly, are not bred for a mile and a quarter, but they have to get the distance and somebody wins, you know, go on the extra couple of furlongs. I think most of our horses are bred for between a mile, a mile and 16, maybe a mile and eight for distance. So a mile and a quarter is a distance a lot of these horses very rarely run in their career. So we'll, we'll see who, uh, who has the stamina for the last part. 
And and I do notice that it, it is a, a evenly handicapped race and the weights, they're all going to carry 121. So nobody seems to have uh, an, an edge there or a, a handicap, shall I say. They'll all be carrying 121. And that's the Alabama. Well, uh, I, I would be uh, remiss to have Riching on the show and not ask him to give us a reflection on Delmar this weekend. Um, I do know that uh, I thought it's pretty cool. I know it's named the TVG uh, Pacific Classic, but they're going to go commercial free for like two hours on the air. And they said that they mentioned their sponsor, but their sponsors aren't going to get too much play. If they're going to be going two hours commercial free, I haven't heard that in a sporting event. Uh, I don't know, perhaps forever, Rich. <laughs> well, I tell you what, the TVG, you know, a lot of people like them. I know some people on social media don't like them, but I'm put me in the uh, positive, the check column, because, you know, when I listen to the handicappers and the analysis, you know, a lot of it that you don't have to use, but every once in a while, they really give out great nuggets that are worthwhile in your betting and in your handicapping and your learning process. Put that stuff in your toolbox, and, uh, you know, I, I really think they do a fantastic job. Yeah, uh, a lot of times I have to wrestle my uh, my wife for the... Uh uh, the channel changer, but uh, if she happens to be out on a Saturday, that's just fine with me. So uh, I get to watch it. And I, I've been watching more and more on the days I, I can sit in front of a TV. And they say they're going to have over two dozen cameras, virtual graphics, uh, different set locations, roaming reporters. So they're pulling out all the stops. And of course, uh, I, I really like, uh, you know, Brittany Yurton, uh, Mike Joyce, Scott Hazelton, Gabby Gauday. And, uh, they're, they're doing a good job. They really are. And, uh, th- this is going to be a task because, um, it's not easy carrying two hours live. That's for sure. Now uh, out on for you out on the West coast, it's going to be five to seven. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so the, East Coasters, you can just uh, tack three hours on that for them. But uh, anyhow, I digress in what TVG is doing. The race is named after them. It's a million-dollar race. Uh, obviously, it's a win and you're in for, for the classic. And uh, find it interesting that, you know, Churchill horses have been doing fairly well from my, what I understand uh, out there on the West Coast. And probably that top two in, in the betting will be the horses that came out the of the Stephen Foster and that would be seeking the soul who has really turned into a monster he's six years old but he's a homebred where's Charles Fipke gonna go with him other than to bring him out to stud uh, you know this horse has won over 3.3 million dollars for him Dallas Stewart has done a fantastic job uh, as his trainer uh, you won't see this horse in the front. He he does a really good job of relaxing uh, in, in the early part of his races and then coming on the late. Sometimes it comes on a little too late, like in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile last year, uh, won by City of Light. But nonetheless, you don't earn $3.3 million unless you're a hardy sort. You don't race until you're six years old, until you're sound. And uh, Seeking the Soul uh, will be making the West Coast trip. Don't believe he's ever won at Del Mar before, but... You know, John Velasquez knows a good horse when he sits on one, and uh, 
He's given up all of his mounts at Saratoga to stick with seeking the soul in the Pacific Classic. Enough of what I see of the race. What does Rich Ng see? Well, I agree with you that the top two horses are shipping in, and a lot of horses shipped in for this race. Uh, the main reason is because a horse named Mackenzie is not in this field. He ended up running back at Saratoga and winning at Saratoga, so he wasn't going to get wheeled back in, on short rest. But the fact that the stakes coordinator had a chance to call up a lot of horsemen and say, this might be a pretty good spot for you for a million dollars without the big horse in the race. So uh, pretty evenly matched field, but I agree with you. The top two contenders both come out of the Stephen Foster and Seeking the Soul and Quip. And uh, if I could say uh, uh, thank you to Charles 50, he was a six-year-old horse. This is a full horse, not a gelding. And, uh, you know, so many of our stars retire early to stud. Well, it's great to see a horse like Seeking the Soul run as a four-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old. It just shows you how a horse can really develop if they're given you know, time, a chance to run at an older age. And uh, he has really uh, developed into one of the top handicap horses in the country. Um, actually, uh, I picked him in the foster, and I was very happy to get the nine to two. But actually, yeah. I, I want to turn the tables. I want to turn the tables on him. And one of the reasons is because the two quit is much more tactical as far as speed because you mentioned how seeking the soul likes to sit in the back of the bus and the rallies really fast late, sometimes a little too late. But the way Delmar's been playing, I think hits Quip's running style much better, meaning that if he's not on the lead, he's the kind of horse who's probably going to be sitting second, third, fourth, wherever uh, uh, Florent Giroux wants to put him. And um, I think he may have a tactical advantage uh, plus, you know, he's a little better price at 92. So I'm going to go with Quip to turn the tables on Seeking the Soul. And as far as uh, a third choice, a lot of the others all kind of look uh, look a lot like each other. But uh, I'll give it to a home field advantage for the eight campaign who has been improving, you know, with race after race for uh, John Sadler. And uh, this horse, so, you know, coming out of the Cougar handicap at a mile and a half, it's hard to believe he's cutting back in distance for this. Well, uh, you know, Rafael Bayerano, he's been riding really, really well out there. I'd, I'd love to see him win this race. And, of course, horses sired by Curlin. I mean, I, I know there was so much attention. Remember the last three years or so where, you know, it, it, it was Tappet's world and other stallions were living in it, but it, it seems like the tide is turning and uh, more and more attention is given to the offspring of Curlin. Yeah, Curlin is certainly one of the one of the great stallions uh, in America, in the world. And uh, you know, Tappet's probably number one, but you know, I wouldn't have any issues with this if I had a nice mare to send her to Curlin. <laughs> that would be okay in my book, John. Yeah, well, he just killed it up at the sale at Saratoga, I do believe. Uh, he had a lot of horses over a million dollars. I shouldn't say a lot, but several over a million. And uh, and a few in the $900,000, $700,000 uh, region. So, yeah, he's doing just fine. And they'll be turning mares away from from his uh, stall. Um, Rich, did you... Uh, I just want to thank you very much uh, for joining us and for spending as much time as you did with us. Uh, I do believe Byron's finally done with his soccer game, so I can get him. So, Rich, thanks a lot. Uh, appreciate uh, appreciate you being on, and uh, you know, you best of luck at the races and uh, stay well, my friend. Always enjoyable, John, uh, being on with you, and uh, great to talk to your listeners. A lot of them probably remember me from my 
Kentucky days, and I wish everybody all the best. All right. That was Rich Egg, and we got Byron off the uh, soccer field, I do believe. So let's just see if we can't uh, bring in Byron King. How you doing, Byron? I'm good, pal. I tell you, I'm a man of many hats, and and now you've, uh, as you've shared with your listeners, a a soccer official um, to boot. So uh, we had a thriller here, 3-1 game. (laughs) That was a good one. All right. Well, uh, uh, I just uh, talked to to Rich Ng, and uh, he uh, gave us his thoughts on the uh, TVG Pacific Classic. So while I got you, I'm not sure when we're going to run out of time. Looks like we got about seven minutes to go. If we get to some of the undercard races, great. But let's go right to the Pacific Classic. Our listeners have already uh, heard my, my play on the race and Rich's. Let's hear Byron King's. Wow. Okay. Well, then, see, because you know I've been on the soccer field, I couldn't have possibly have snooped, right? So, um, but my play is Quip. I thought he ran a really nice race to be second in the Stephen Foster to Seeking the Soul, who is the morning line favorite. And Seeking the Soul, for, for those of us that have followed his, you know, outstanding career, he's made $3 million. But he has a, a definite affinity for Churchill Downs, in my opinion. So I think if maybe he takes a little step back, perhaps Quip, who was the runner-up to him in the Stephen Foster, can get it done. He has a lot of tactical speed, and though he hasn't gone a mile and a quarter, I think without a whole lot of pace in the race, I think potentially uh, he could sit a really nice trip. And at 9-2, to two, I believe he is on the morning line. I think that's a square price. Well, guess what? That was Rich Eng's top pick, too. So we've got uh, two professional handicappers uh, zoning in on Quip. And the thing about Seeking the Soul, love the horse, uh, love uh, uh, Charles Fipke for keeping him in training all these years. Um, but he does come from out of it, and we're talking about a decent-sized field, and so there's always that potential that he's got to wait a little bit to make his move or may not even have the chance to make his move uh, because while he's got seven career wins, he's also got six seconds and seven thirds, so he has managed to find himself in trouble at the head of the lane, and that could play to the benefit of Quip. I agree with you. Now, uh, if you've had a chance to wipe the sweat off your brow, I want to ask you if uh, if you've... If you looked at some of the other races at Del Mar, you know, we had the Del Mar Oaks and uh, the Del Mar Handicap. Are you prepared to go with either of those? Yes, the Del Mar Mar Handicap I looked at at length. In fact, I have a little piece, uh, did some freelance writing this week for the Blood Horse, a little piece on the Pacific Classic and the Del Mar Handicap uh, in the Blood Horse Daily. And that will be, it's covering, these are the two win-in-your-own races from Saturday at Del Mar. Uh, so these horses that win these will become automatic qualifiers for the Breeders' Cup, which, of course, is just up the road at Santa Anita, 110 miles away. But in the Del Mar handicap, I really like it's in the post. He is a seven-time greatest stakes winner. And one thing that does stick out in his past performances, is surprisingly, given his record, Go for 11 at Del Mar on that turf course, which is shocking to me. But some of those defeats were good runs, and I really just more than anything just like his progression this year. They've given him two prior starts, neither of which I think 
fit him nearly as well as this race. One was a comeback race and going a much shorter distance. And the other was in the Cougar, which was on dirt. He ran second to campaign who is running in the Pacific classic. And it, it's in the post is not a dirt horse. And he's made, I think maybe one or two starts on dirt over his career. Turf is his calling. And while I wish he had a little better record at Del Mar on the lawn, I just think he's the best horse, and he's my play in the Del Mar Handicap. All right. Well, I'm going to go against you in here. I'm going to take United, man. I've been Flavian Pratt. He is just on fire out at Del Mar, and I'll bet uh, I'll bet anything he's uh, sitting on uh, these days. But I do like your angles for it's in the post. We're talking with Byron King. I got two minutes left, so I'm going to check in to see if he had a chance to look at the Del Mar Oaks. Of course, if they're calling it at Oaks, it's for three-year-old fillies. This will be a mile and an eighth. Coming out of the turf shoot, um, who's the standout in here, or who do you like, even if they're not the standout? You know, John, this to me was a very, very tough race, and it's one I don't have a strong opinion on, and I certainly want to tout your listeners on the races that I have a strong opinion on. This is one that baffled me. It's an extremely good field. Uh, when I say good, good in the betting sense of it. I mean, it's the, the deepest stake on the card, and they have five graded ones on Saturday. And to me, contention runs deep. I would be looking at the board, stopping for overlays, because I see a very contentious group. Um, how do you see it, John? Well, I, I see something that everyone in the country has seen, at least if they've been watching. I see Chad Brown, <laughs> Chad Brown. Turf, <laughs> run, running a graded horse on the turf. Uh, John, uh, uh, Jose Ortiz decided to stay in New York, but uh, Johnny V is going to be over there anyhow for the Pacific Classic. Uh, I like this uh, Cambier Park. I, I don't think I'm going to be the only person in America that sees Chad Brown in a graded stakes race on the turf and call me a genius well it's just i mean what he did last week is sweeping all the arlington stakes on the grass three of which were grade ones another was i think a grade three i mean what an accomplishment i mean when i look at uh the great training feats of recent years to me that stacks up with him i mean it's just amazing um he is an outstanding trainer and you are dead on in, in, in marking that one as the horse to beat. I just kind of think for the most part, though, these kind of races, these 3 old Philly races with deep fields and where trip can come into play, a little value shopping is usually my preferred strategy. But as I said, I, don't have, I can't give you a really good push on any individual horse. That's okay, Byron. You don't have to, but my producer's giving me a push saying, get out of here, Johnny. Byron, thanks for uh, taking the time out of your uh, time on the soccer field. I'll get you back for a longer segment down the road, okay? For sure, John, and my apologies, buddy, that I wasn't on earlier with you, but, uh, you know, I couldn't end it. I couldn't end it with the game in doubt. I understand. All right. We've been talking with Byron King. I want to thank Rich Eng. I want to thank you. I remind you to go to Winning Ponies and pull down those easy win forms. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.